Because I did. And that's why I've got them here, the uh, creative team behind the uh, wonderful movie On Fire. A man finds his world suddenly torn apart as devastating wildfires rip through the side. <clears throat> with precious moments ticking away, he flees with his son and pregnant wife to survive the raging force of Mother Nature. Please welcome Nick Lyon and Ron Pierre to Cinema You Get Me. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey there. Good Hi. afternoon. Thank you for coming on. Thank, this is in. Um, thanks for having us. We're excited. Nick, this is a this is a really, gentlemen. This is a really great movie. Really harkened back for me um, to a different time in cinema, like uh, the movies back in the nineties. I, I recall those two movies, uh, Dante's Peak and Volcano, uh, while watching it. Um, I, you know, especially. Um, Especially uh, Dante's Peak, you know, with uh, with certain elements, uh, with uh, you know them fleeing the the chaos. But more specifically, what this film um, brought back for me was uh, uh, very much a reality here in Australia a couple of years ago, just prior to the pandemic. You boys probably would have seen photos of it online. Australia looked like a piece of burnt toast uh, on fire. Face yeah. so. Um, we're we're no stranger to the uh, the actual elements where the uh, true story that inspired this come from. Eh? You are not. That is absolutely correct. I mean, it it this is a true story for many people mm. in many countries. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, fires. It's statistic. I mean, they're, they've gotten bigger. They've gotten worse over the last twenty years, and and they will continue to do so. You know, so one of the really, you know, great things about this movie, like the reason we wanted to do it was, you know, to show what what people are going through, because unlike most natural disasters, uh, about 85, 90 percent of the forest fires are are man caused. So it's something that we can drastically reduce. I mean, there's always going to be lightning. There's always going to be natural disasters. But when 85 percent of forest fires are, are caused by human error or by human just existing. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, so there's a lot of things we can do to, to, to help mitigate it, you know, to make it not so bad. So by, I think by, by showing a family that actually, which I haven't really seen, I've never seen it, especially on a, on a smaller budget, Hmm. uh, a family trying to flee from the forest fire. um, You know, you're trying to show what, what those people when you go light off the fireworks in the in the forest Mm. and it might start a fire Mm. you know it might be 10 miles away that's what this family's going through Mm. a day later but no it's um it it brought back very vivid memories we actually had a uh, a period where the fires were were so close to the town here that one afternoon they were having a, a food festival in the in the main street for for foodies and whatever and they'd spent the better part of the afternoon setting it up. And just like in John Carpenter's The Fog, right, the wind 
change direction in the afternoon, then all of a sudden you can imagine this, the main street just fills with dust and smoke. And, and it was really like something out of, you know, like you'd see in a, in a, in a, in a disaster movie. Yeah. Cool. Like, like on fire. Right. <laughs> um, well, you know, that's true. It happens here too. Like my son doesn't have their school shuts down because of fires or you look up here, even here in the middle of LA, you look up and there's just red skies. You feel like you're on Mars because the smoke is blowing towards you from the, from the fires. I mean, so it's, uh, you know, definitely real, especially here in, in, in California. <laughs> And Ron, what was it like to um, you've worked with you've worked with Nick before? I, I remember the last film um, was it the 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 boy, the dog, and the clown? Was it? I think that, that's what? it. Uh-huh. Yeah, another another great uh, another great collaboration with this script, and uh, this time you've got some wonderful actors to uh, to support your work, uh, including the great Lance Hendrickson. Yeah, that's right. The great Lance Hendrickson. I didn't expect that. That's got to be you know. the juice having Lance like say some of your lines. Yeah, it's very cool. Very. Because cool. I want to live. I got a pack of cigarettes to smoke. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, that's he, one of my favorite you know, lines. He, he loved that when I even the first call I made with him, he's like, "I love it that he can smoke," because it was written in the script that he smokes. Yeah, he's a chain smoker, and, right. and uh-huh. he's like. Oh, I can smoke, you know. So he he definitely loves to smoke. He's Maybe f- that's why he took the part, right? Yeah. Who knows? You know, he's just a, a joy to work with too. The guy's like, you know, you'd think like because he's always playing like pretty threatening guys and stuff. It's like he's the nicest person. He's like one of the nicest actors I've ever worked with. I think you know, it's like just a really nice, sweet, sincere person. And yeah. and Peter, it was it was it was when when Peter first came on screen, I was like, where have I seen that guy before? And I was thinking, that's the bad guy from like Supernova, and the young guy from like the Big Kahuna, that movie with Kevin Spacey and uh, I think Danny DeVito was in it. Remember that? Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He plays like it was a it was a little bit like Glenn Gary Glenn, Glenn Ross, but the the three of them are waiting in a hotel room, and and Peter was like the young guy. And, <laughs> and and Danny DeVito was the mediator, but but Spacey was like right, the, you know. Oh no, it wasn't the big cone. It might have been swimming with the sharks. Okay. Well, he most people know him from Twilight, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. He, or uh, or I think Nurse Jackie. Nurse Jackie. You know? Nurse yeah, Jackie. yeah. And um, geez, what was her name? The young lady in it. Brad Dorf's daughter, Fiona, Fiona Dora. Gee, she was good. Geez, that that's got to be that's got to be uh, that's got to be pretty cool to have um, Brad for a dad, hey? I know, right? He's, he's I know she, she 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 didn't know that Lance was going to be. I mean, when Lance showed up, she's like, yeah, she knew him from them hanging out when she was a little girl. Wow. With Brad, and so they they had a lot to catch up about, you know, uh, which was really cool. So cool. I, I know a magician never gives away his secrets, Nick, but um, you made this um, you made this film um, look really really expansive. Even though I know that you probably didn't have, uh, you know, millions and billions and squillions of dollars. Um, it's just it's just well practiced at this point making uh, making a little bit of money look like a lot, eh? 
Yeah, that's kind of become one of my, you know, like I, I just have a lot of experience in creating with, you know, in the lower budget world, you have to make you have to make it look like a lot, you know, so you have to learn the tricks. You know, you don't always have the money to like have a full fire crew or a full, you know, so you, you have to learn to do a little bit of movie magic. That's where the term comes from, you know, because you're doing movie magic. And so, you know, when initially coming up with the idea of this was like, oh, is it doable? I don't know. It's like doing a forest fire film fire is like really dangerous, especially in a in a forest and then i you know i had done a lot with smoke always doing smoke wind debris all that stuff um and i worked with fire quite a bit as well so i'm like huh maybe you know i think there is a way to do this um and i i did some tests and i was like you know what i could pull it off to have a family running through a, a whole forest filled with fire if i use light and fog and then use some practical fire and then enhance everything with with the visual effects hmm. and that's exactly that was the model that, that that i you know planned on using and knew it was doable because i've had the experience doing it before so um otherwise it would have been i mean it, it would have been pretty insane i mean it's still hard to do because you still have to set that stuff up you know and you still have to light it and and but you know with with new lights and everything uh with the led lights you can put lights out in the, you know big lights out in the middle of a forest and they have built they have fire effects you know they have a flicker that that looks emulates a fire and so and then we just used a lot of a lot of fog in the in the in the forest and that that created a base layer of of fire and then by doing that we could add small amounts of regular fire and and visual effects enhancement and then the visual effects wouldn't have to be from scratch like that would be really hard to do like one thing you can't do is like rotoscope every person which is paint them out and add fire behind people um when they're moving so you know but you can you can blend it in with a bunch of smoke pretty easily um so i knew that going into it um and you know and it worked I, initially i planned to use a lot more fire um like big fire towers you know like 10 foot high fire blasts and we had it all set up and ready to go but then we got to the actual forest where we're filming and it doesn't look like the ground is anything but dirt with a bunch of pine needles that have fallen on it but then you we we lit up one of the as a test we lit up a, a fire bar and the ground starts smoldering and we're like, oh my, this is, this could light the whole ground on fire because it's it's basically about two feet deep of, you know, decayed pine needles that had become like sawdust, yeah. dirt, like yeah. soil that was made of wood. And so we couldn't really use that plan. Um, so we had to very sparingly use real fire in little spots, you know, and we used a gel, a gel that basically emanates, there's no heat that comes off of the gel. Mm -hmm. So you could put it on your on your hand and light it on fire and it wouldn't it wouldn't burn you. That's special effects uh, gel. That could have been dangerous at a few drunken parties I went to when I was younger. Um, <laughs> yeah, your hair. You would probably yeah. have a different head of hair for sure. That's Nick's specialty is taking a little and making it look like a lot. 
that you got to give it to Nick because in all of his films he does that. It's it's truly amazing after you see what you're working with to begin with. You know, truly amazing. When I when I was working on the script, yes. you know, I was writing scenes and I'm like, there's a lot of fire here. I don't know if this scene's gonna make it. You know, it's like Nick, should I should I scale it down? And he was like, no, just you know, write what you think you should write. You know, I'm like, okay. So I think did there's you, only did one. You think of typing the word fire. <laughs> yeah. Fire. Well, you find creative ways. Fire, flames. You know, flames lick here. A blaze. A blaze. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> a, but a, I, a roaring fire. A, a falling tree that's on fire. A yeah. falling inferno. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, burning houses. Get, uh, get know, out all the, the all the fun stuff. Get out all the synonyms. But, for fire. You know, but you know, luckily I had I had worked with Joe Lawson a lot before, and Joe Lawson is a visual effects supervisor that's also used to working on lower budget. You know, so it's kind of like lower budget is like a great training area in many ways. You know, you they, they, they you learn a lot of tricks, and he is a visual effects supervisor that does a lot of those as well. And he's done like multiple films with me. So I ran it past him and he was like, yeah, I think we can pull this off. And um, sure enough, you know, he ended up doing 390 shots, but kept saying, yeah, I can, you know, especially after we had to switch completely to visual effects or almost completely without a lot of practical fire. Cause we would have burned down a real forest, which would have been tragic. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're not. They're gonna. They're gonna rent. I see that. They're not gonna let you burn it down. <laughs> I know. Can you see that? It's like, oh, we burned down a fort. Yeah, that that would have been a big nightmare. Yeah. Especially where we were filming, because it was prone to fires. It had a big fire years before. So, and there was one actually right after we finished shooting. They were doing a controlled burn. Oh, okay. That got out of control. They got out of control because the, all of a sudden they could be doing a controlled burn to just prevent forest fires and if the winds pick up and shift then yeah. it can get out of control you yeah. know so yeah. a lot of fires mm. they're experiencing that in sydney right now i don't know if you've probably seen it in the news i mean they're, they're trying uh, they're trying in vain to uh, hopefully uh, shield australia a little bit from our, our coming bushfire season but look they say they're going to Putting precautionary measures every year and every year, there's fires on the news. It's it's like you said, it can be as it can be something as simple as an accident, but it can be some bloke driving along the highway throwing a cigarette out the window too. You know, yeah, yeah. It's quite a lot of brush. Know, I mean, a- infrastructure, electricity. Yeah, that's are, right. Like some of the bi- some of the bigger ones have been caused by electric power lines that just like yeah mm. spark them. I mean, right. things aren't maintained. Things aren't maintained properly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. It's uh, it's a terrible thing that happens. And uh, yeah, like I was saying earlier, that uh, uh, just prior to COVID, I mean, we <laughs> we were lucky enough to go from one natural disaster to the other. I mean, we we came. We were coming out of a ten year drought. We were. Um, the whole country was on fire. The prime minister decided to go to Hawaii, and then COVID happened. I thought, you know, it's like classic FM. The hits just keep. I on. know, and and that's like when the when the what year was the Australian fires? Um, uh, that, was the, that was the end of uh, two thousand nineteen, right? Twenty, yeah. And I mean, it hit. I mean, it was all over the news here as well. It felt like yeah. you know, the world was on fire. You know, but 
it seems to be that almost every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And as it's you not, with, the, with the heat intensifying, and and uh, I, I'm sure there's people out there that, uh, that that will disagree with me. They don't believe in science and all that sort of thing. But I don't care what you say. It's getting hotter. It's getting drier. Uh, and certainly out where I live, you know, I mean, it. The next if. if if, if we're on the cusp of another drought, I don't think we'll get through this next one because as the heat uh, intensifies uh, with evaporation and all that sort of thing, it's it's only going to get worse. But some people you just can't convince. But uh, well, you know. I mean, everybody has their, but there's nothing there. You can convince them of one thing hmm. that they just be more vigilant about not starting fires. Whether sure. it's the whatever the cause is, okay, it's climate, it's cyclical. You know, a hundred years ago it was hot, mm. but now, but a hundred years ago you didn't have people moving into the forests. We're no. living in the hills. It's a luxury real estate spot. Like Malibu is like there wasn't like people living there, mm. and so the more we move into encroach on nature, the 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 more risk there is of fire. Getting back to on fire, this um. This this movie just really took me by surprise because there's there's a lot of small films that have how shall we say it's not so much ambition beyond their means but they have sometimes great ideas and you can you can see that man if they only had a little bit more but in this case I I don't I don't see how a a, a, a bigger budget in different circumstances could make the film um, any better or worse. Cause, cause I mean, it, it, the, everything was there. The intensity was there. The performances are all there. There's no, there's no like weak link in the chain. I mean, Nick, I don't know what you have for breakfast, but uh, I don't know what both you boys have for breakfast, but uh, all the films I keep watching from you guys are just, uh, it's really oh, you must you must have um, between you since this is the first film that you've, you've done together. You must have a, a a good shorthand as far as collaborating. Well, you know what's great is like yeah, I have the. I mean, I'm like the crazy one that like goes okay, let's do this, and I get I'm driven. My writing or coming up with ideas or writing is a hundred. I mean, it's literally because I want to make a movie and. I don't really enjoy sitting there writing forever. Like it's not like taking, but for Ron, he's like a writer at heart. So he likes it. It's like for him, it's like, for me, it's torture for him. It's like, Oh, I'm taking a nice warm bath writing. This is awesome. And I'm like, uh, he has the patience to, to write. And, and the great thing is if we work in a team, which Ron doesn't need a team, you know, uh, but, the hardest, I think the hardest part about writing is rewriting. And by having a writing partner or somebody you're working with, because you, why is it hardest to go into rewriting? Because you have to go to places that you don't really know. Hmm. You haven't done it before to, to, to extend into the new boundaries, you know? Yes. So otherwise you're just writing, you're just writing what you know. And so you have a different opinion, a different person to bounce off of. It really, I think it really helps because then it's like a different perspective that you're like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that. So it helps with the, with the rewriting process and the polishing. Sure. Have you ever done that, Ron? Done a, a Dalton Trombo and, and written in the bath? Speaking of warm bath? I have, 
I have never written in the bath, though I do like bubble baths. But, you know, I have never done that. I don't think that's too compatible with laptops, you know. Uh, even though he used a typewriter, I think uh, a little better for that. But, yeah, it's always it, it's always fun to write with Nick because usually we'll have some sort of idea and Nick will have an idea or a short a treatment of some kind, you know, and then he'll bring it to me and then we'll discuss it. And um, like we have another project that uh, that we're probably going to be doing shortly. <laughs> and that originated is kind of a with, with Nick. Well, it kind of. Well, a few years ago, I think I'm not actually I'm not sure how long ago that one originated, but um, the treat the treatment. I wrote a treatment and then I ran it by Ron and I'm like, hey, Ron, can you give me a polish on this treatment? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he adds yeah. a little bit of his ideas and then he writes the yeah. script and. And then we yeah. sit and balance and talk. And he did it. He did it first draft in like two months, not two weeks. Yeah. And, you know, the the thing is, I tend to write for the reader. Mm. I'm a huge, you know, fan of books. I'm a, you know, I probably rather be a novelist than I am a screenwriter, truthfully. But um, I've been making money this way. So it's like, OK. But uh, so I write for what's on the page, get people to turn the page to go to the next page you know that's my goal um and then that's how i've always sold scripts you know if i if i so i let other people work on the visual aspect like like nick you know so mostly i'm writing the story and the characters and just putting in some twists and things that happen that you just keep reading and then suddenly you're at the end and i'm like whoa so that's kind of my goal is don't let anybody put the script down you know yeah. until they get to the last I'm, page I'm yeah glad. my favorite too yeah I'm glad you brought that up, Ron, because I was um, I was going to ask you the uh, there's always the the debate between um, the script should be should be as 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 clean and uh, as sparse as possible, and that the days of Lawrence. I remember a screenwriting teacher telling me once that the days of Lawrence of Arabia are over, and screenplay should be. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, like a Walter Hill screenplay, like a haiku poem with dialogue. Um, I mean, how do you feel about it? I mean, the the I mean, the the general consensus is that people don't like to read scripts, but as you say, um, making it entertaining to read—that's right. And Walter Hill did that with the, like you say, his sort of haiku style. You know, that was his thing, and some people appreciate it, some didn't. But I mean, just because you're making it entertaining doesn't mean you're overloading it with a lot of description and you're doing all this setting and stuff, you know, you're just trying to make the words as entertaining as possible sometimes. And then other times you just want them to be totally simple just because you're focusing maybe on the scene or the dialogue between the characters and you don't need much exposition there or anything, you know, though sometimes you'll slip in a little bit to, to give the director, whoever's reading a sense of what that, you know, how you want the actors to behave in that scene or what they're feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, like I say, I just like to, you know, the script is one thing and I think the film is another thing. And if you can meld the two in a fantastic way, that's that's what everybody wants ultimately. But yeah, kind of you know what, Ron, to start with. Yeah. Ron is great at the balance because I don't think I've read a script of, of Ron's. Like going back to I Love You Baby, the very first script, which was called Family Reunion at the time, it was a complete page turner. It was like a twist and turn. It held tension. Mm. It just held a lot of tension. And tension is so key, I think. And when I read a script, I like, to, I, for me, it's like it has to read fast. 
Hmm. Like, and that doesn't mean that it has to have a lot of white space. It means it has to be, it has to hold a lot of tension because hmm. that makes you want to read through it faster. But when you hit a script that like is over, that, that's slow, hmm. I just uh, have a hard time getting through them because I don't really love to sit and read. I, I listen to scripts now as well. Hmm. And um, on like table read or something, because then I can, and, and you know, real quick, if it flows like a movie or not, um, but Ron is the perfect balance of like descriptive and keeping it moving. Hmm. But what the question is, what keeps the script moving? That's true. What keeps a movie moving? But hey, listen, it, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I was talking to a bloke the other day who uh, who does uh, narration for audio books, and he says that he's getting a lot lately uh, of doing dramatic readings of scripts for screenwriters to pitch rather than you read a draft i can send you an audio draft and you can listen to it i mean doesn't it sound but he that's is that is that's been around a while that's been around a while but honestly i i use table read um sure the voices are a little bit i can add a score underneath i can assign voices to different characters Okay. Uh, there's an Australian accent. There's a, you know, there's all this different, different characters. And sometimes they sound a little bit, but you, it, it, and you can determine what speed and everything. So I just use that, but it, it, but it's the same thing. And it's nice to be able to, to, or if it's recorded, I like it. Yeah. Now you can't do notes on it. You can't do notes because you don't, it's hard to see like what's wrong with it when you're just listening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're getting, you're getting the flavor, but, um, you know, as 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 Ron, you you'd probably be able to to attest to this that sometimes when you write a scene, I mean, you have no idea what the the circumstances on the day of the shoot and the set are going to be. So you have to generalise in some of those senses as far as the geography. You know, if it's if it's people in a room or if it's people standing outside near a car, I mean, you're not sure how far the distance between. You know, he runs to the tree. Okay, we've got to make sure we have a tree. <laughs> you know, close by. I mean, you can attest to that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the director's job too, because there's so much, you know, you lose a location. Well, you can't be there. So you've got to reset it somewhere else, you know, and, and deal with that. But um, yeah. Yeah. I try not to think about that much when I'm doing the writing. Well, you, neither should you, unless it's like, yeah. okay, it's going to kill us. But, you know, I like to think that there, you always have the perfect, you always have the perfect location. If you have the power of the pencil behind you. So, okay, we don't have this, but let's rewrite the scene so that it fits this. Like we can't do it in, in, in this place, but we can do it on this farm. So let's just, let's just adjust the script. It still doesn't affect the story, but you can always like make a perfect location and make things work for you by, by, by tweaking the script. And look, I, the critical response to this is, um, I hope has been has been. I, I've, I've certainly read uh, David J. Moore wrote a fantastic uh, article. Um, the response that you've had so far, I don't. You're having a screening, or you did have a screening? Were you, were you doing a Q well, like a live one? Well, there, there, I will. Yeah, uh huh. Mm-hmm. On the twenty, but the thing is that there, there's the whole strike and everything so that's kind of put a damper like i talked to one reporter today and he's like you know what this is the first film i've talked to an actor in three months 
because none of because we're not associated with the studio so Hmm. but even then there's the impression like some of the actors are just like i don't feel comfortable because nobody knows whether or not sag is approving it or not we look like we're going out crossing the line so so really it's kind of like even at film festivals everything it's like Hmm. uh not a you know there isn't a lot of publicity happening right now because Nobody wants to, I mean, first of all, even though SAG is like saying, hey, you should get out there and and, uh, and promote if it's if it's not, if, if you have an interim agreement with SAG, then you should. But at the same time, nobody knows. So they just see you out there promoting your movie and they go, oh, this person's a scab, you know? Right. You have to bring your SAG waiver with you and wave it around or something, you know? We're well, legitimate. SAG too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. literally why I call it a waiver, isn't it? Easy way, but yeah, exactly. Oh, there you go. But um, yeah, oh, well, look, I, I, I really hope that um, I really hope eventually that that there is some um, some light at the end of the tunnel as far as these strikes are concerned, and I really do hope um, if you would if you tell our wonderful listeners where we where eventually they'll be able to see this wonderful film. I know there's the uh, the film has a a Facebook page and all that sort of stuff. Can you? Well, right now I can tell you that on September 29th, it's a theatrical release in in America in major theaters. So it's it's going to be announced real soon. The theaters, but it's like I think it's like 700 theaters. So it's a pretty big release, and I'm getting I'm getting you know like my mom in Boise, Idaho, is sending me photos of the poster up in the movie theaters. You know, which is kind of cool because it's like not. I didn't think, I mean, usually you do a small release on, on, on films like this to just say, Oh, it's in theaters now. So you get better placement on, on the, on the video on demand, you know, or on cable, but they're actually really releasing this one, which is, uh, which is pretty cool because that's really hard to do nowadays with, uh, unless you're a big studio film. That's true. And so, so this is like a little film that could, that's right. And you know you've made it when your mum's happy, hey? When your mum says, oh, geez, look, look at this. His, his mom is wonderful. She's a sweet woman. That's my mom. boy. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Uh-huh. I know. So hopefully, you know, then the international will happen. So it's first a domestic release here, and it'll it'll do what Cineverse is doing. Um, I'm not too involved with – they're the distributors. You know, they know their business. And um, – all I know is that I see like, uh, oh yeah, geez, I'm getting all these people sending me photos of like the poster up in the movie theaters, and I'm like, holy camoly, this is crazy. I didn't expect it, you know. So well, it's pretty cool. Sometimes good things take time, and uh, it's good to see that two wonderful gentlemen, two talented artists, and a wonderful movie are uh, on their way out to the world. The movie is on fire. My guests have been the uh, marvellous Nick Lyon and Ron Pierre. They're on fire at the moment with On Fire. And gentlemen, it's been an honour to have you on Cinema Yugen. And uh, I certainly hope nothing but the best for this movie and that uh, it goes through the roof. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Big <laughs> thank you. Hopefully it doesn't go too too much through the roof. You know, oh, the, the roof is on fire. <laughs> oh, you're always a pessimist. <laughs> the roof is on fire. You didn't get the joke. Okay. No, no, it's all right. The roof. The was, roof. The roof thinking, is on fire. 
That's right. Yeah, I don't, we don't need water. But um, as the Italians uh, have a proverb, um, if the house is on fire, we might as well warm ourselves. And um, <laughs> it's uh, it's been a tremendous uh, honour to talk to you, gentlemen. It's been uh, thank really, you really great to see uh, a sneak peek of the movie on fire is on its way out. It's hitting theatres. Uh, for listeners in Australia, we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted on down the line. And when it gets released uh, over here, we'll uh, certainly distribute uh, links and, and, and uh, hints and tips and tricks for everyone to go and check it out. But until then, this has been Cinema Yugen on Kids Hill. 